2: Rise and shine, sports investors. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It is Friday, February 21st. Let's cock a doodle do it. This is the early sign right here on Sports Grid. I'm just let's cock a doodle do it. Who is still in for Joe Ranieri? We're making it happen here on a Friday as we slide into a big weekend. And we got a lot to discuss, okay? There were six games in the NBA last night as they get back into action. A full college basketball slate to break down, and we will look ahead to the weekend. A huge weekend in college basketball. The NBA getting back into full steam. We got a fight night in Vegas. We got week three of the XFL, and we're going to continue talking Major League Baseball as spring training is on and popping. Jared, I got to tell you something, though. Okay, we were talking about the NBA. We were talking about one game, the Nets and the Sixers, last night. But we found out that Kyrie Irving will not be available for the Nets for the rest of the season. It looks like he's going to have uh, surgery on that shoulder. My question, though, for you, Jared, is, is that really a bad thing for the Nets?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the numbers didn't really dictate that it was 8-12 and 12 without it or with him this year. And now 17 and 17 with them. They were in that game last night. They probably should have won that game. They went on some crazy like 35 to 4 run in like the middle of the game. And then they kind of collapsed late. And then the Sixers won, almost covered in overtime. If you didn't get a favorable number, they did cover in overtime. We gave out eight and a half on the morning show yesterday. That was a winner by the hook. So barely. But I I think the Nets actually do have a bit of an issue here because If they play well down the stretch, Dane, there's going to be some people that are going to start to say, well, why did we spend all this money on these two guys? And, you know, the jury's out on what Kevin Durant brings to the table, but I would say right now they're a better team without Kyrie Irving.
2: Yeah, and that's an interesting point. We will dig into that a little bit more, but that's why you listen to the early line because if you bet it with us at about 7.30 yesterday morning, you were a winner. If you waited until it moved till about six and a half you were not we will dig into the nets the eastern conference the entire nba in their stretch run to the playoffs all that and more on the other side of the break here it is the early line on sports grid but before we get into that we got my man dan stratford who's going to get us caught up on all the news and notes overnight of what happened in the sports world so we give it to dan stratford when we come back we dig into this nba It's getting
1: crazy people dan what happened overnight, man Sports Grid News Update.
3: Well, Dane, big news out of the NFL. The NFL owners have approved the new collective bargaining agreement proposal. Now goes to the NFL Players Association for consideration. Some things to consider. The Washington Post. Mark Mask reports the league is expected to expand the 2020 postseason to 14 teams, quote, even if the players fail to ratify the proposed CBA, the NFL's proposed collective bargaining agreement would increase the in-season roster size from 53 to 55. Other changes would include curbing the commissioner's power in disciplinary cases and softening marijuana punishments. NBC Denver's Mike Kliss reports Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy has officially turned down the University of Colorado's head coaching job. In injury news from the NFL, Browns wideout Jarvis Landry is expected to be sidelined six to eight months after his February 4th operation on his hip. In Major League Baseball, Cubs manager David Ross noted Thursday that Ian Happ will primarily play center field this spring. Aaron Judge of the Yankees is expected to resume hitting Friday in Yankees camp. Judge has held off from swinging a bat this week after showing up to Yankees camp with some crankiness and soreness in his right shoulder. We await word on Luis Severino's forearm. He said he had soreness there dating back to last season. He's set to meet a doctor today. In the NBA, as Dan mentioned, General Manager Sean Marks confirmed Kyrie Irving will have arthroscopic surgery and will miss the rest of the season. That surgery will be on his shoulder. Top performers from around the association on Thursday night. Trey Young went off 50 points, 8 assists, 2 steals, 2 rebounds, a block shot. He shot 12 of 25, 8 of 15 from 3-point range in the 129-124 to 124 Atlanta Hawks win over the Miami Heat. Joel Embiid, 39 points, 16 rebounds as the Sixers bounce back in overtime to beat the Nets one twelve to one oh four. I'm Ben Straffer and this has been your sports grid news update. alright thanks a lot there Dan you know one
2: of the things Dan mentioned was that in this collective bargaining agreement there may be softer penalties for marijuana I don't know if that's the case if you're holding 157 pounds but I digress <laughs> maybe maybe we'll dig into nothing that.
0: soft about that Dan that's what I'm saying like okay I understand
2: maybe you can call it a join yeah, in your yeah. car or something but 157 pounds with our man Greg Robinson is a little bit different our guys over Roto where they've already made uh, shirts to commemorate the issue. I will leave it at that. But Jared, we were talking about this big time game in the Eastern Conference. The Sixers take down the Nets in overtime, 112 to 104. And here's the thing for me, Jared, because listen, you see Joel Embiid in this game, right? 39 points, 16 boards, a plus 24 plus minus. Okay, Jared, and we all day yesterday, we talking about positionless basketball, how the center is going away. You know, Andre Drummond gets traded for nothing. The Rockets didn't want Capella. And, you know, Embiid, though, is kind of the best big man in this league, and you can see that it still can work. I mean, he had a monster night last night, and if they can do this, right, if Embiid looks good, then all of a sudden the Sixers are a much more dangerous animal, Jared.
0: Yeah. Uh they they outscored the Nets 9 to 1 in overtime. To me that was kind of the 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 finishing blow and 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 Brooklyn just totally collapsed down the stretch. They only scored 25 points in the fourth quarter after scoring 32 in the second. They went on a crazy run. They outscored Philly 32 to 16 in the second quarter. They doubled up wow. the Sixers in the second quarter. Yeah. And I actually watched that game from start to finish, and had some, some sweet Eurostep in the second half. <laughs> and when you watch his game, Dane, it you know, it, he's got a little Hakeem, and he's got a little bit of magic. Like it's like a very interesting right. mix where he can kind of be a guy that can move up and down the floor like magic, but then he can be a guy that can just bludgeon you in the posts, like, you know, the dream would. And and it's it it is fascinating to watch his game. Now they were without Ben Simmons last night, oh, late injury with him. Uh, you know, had back stiffness, a very late announcement. And that's why the line moved from eight and a half. I think it closed, as you said, somewhere in the mid sixes, six and a half, seven, depending on where you did your shopping. But I, you know, the Sixers are a really dangerous team. Twenty six and two at home. We mentioned how mm-hmm. talented they are, but again, they had a stretch in that game, Dane, where if any other legitimate. Powerful contender was facing them, they would have lost by thirty because you just can't have lapses like that. I I think it was thirty-five to four. I think that was the run mid-game where they were down fifteen at one point, then they were up fifteen. The Nets were. Yeah. So you know you you know the 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 talent is there for Philly. Certainly they've got the ability to go deep in the playoffs, but I question the consistency. I question the mental toughness. You just can't have 30-point lapses in the middle of games. You're going to get blown out in the playoffs if that happens. So, no. you know, you just have to continue to stay consistent, and that's something that Philly has struggled with this year. I, I, I feel bad for anyone who didn't get 8.5 last night because that was a really bad cover for Philly. Right. They had no <laughs> business covering that game. But, again, it, you know, they show you those flashes, Dane, where they could be a title contender.
2: Exactly, and that's why they're so frustrated when you're actually deciding on do you want to put some money behind them, right? Because you see this and you know they are capable. I also tell you, I I think in the playoffs when you play a game every three or four days, it may even behoove them, it may help them, right? To, to, To try to figure out what Uh, Ails them and make adjustments from game to game these guys might be healthy, but I don't know if I can actually have faith because of what you say the inconsistency on a night in night out basis, you know, they have to win 16 games against strong competition, but when you see nights like this and when you see performances from Embiid like this you realize that they are in fact Capable. I will say this, though, Jad, as we go to another uh, game in the Eastern Conference, that was interesting to me. Talk about being capable. I'm talking about my man, Trey Young, oh, down in hot Atlanta last night. Oh, he was hot. Putting up a 50-burger, okay, going 8-for-15 from 3, over 50% from 3, got to the line 19 19- 15 times, Jared, on his way to 50 points. You know, you and me were both talking about the Heat as a team that we could watch, that can, you know, switch on everything, be a threat to Giannis and the Bucks. Well, they went into Atlanta yesterday and lost by five, 129-124 the final. Our guy Bam Adebayo had a great game, getting 19 boards. But, Jared, this was all about Trey Young.
0: Yeah, and, you know, it's funny because we talked about him in the, in the three-point contest last week and to me the biggest like no bet on him was because this guy doesn't take threes from the line like the three point right. line he takes threes from the logo so yep. he's going to be uncomfortable taking threes at a normal 25 foot distance he wants to take him at 30 feet and he had a couple last night and 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 the heater another one of those interesting teams because we talked about the ability to switch screens and, and what Bam yep. Adebayo can do at the top he actually was guarding Trey across half court a couple times and he just didn't get out above the three-point line to guard him, and Trey just made him pay. Several occasions where Trey would just walk it across half court and just fire it from, like, the logo. And and to me, that, it's not a sustainable offense, and and that's why the Hawks just have 16 wins this year. But, man, oh, man, when he shows you those flashes, you put a couple of guys around Trey Young, Dane, and, and the sky's the limit.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's what they are trying to do. This is another team with a young core, whether it's Collins, Remember these guys drafted Cam Reddish yeah. you know this year, so they are building. You haven't as seen Capella well. yet either. That's true. So they're still building. We'll talk about what went down in the
1: West on the other side of the break. Your line here on Sports Grid. Dailyrodo.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice, we play every day.
2: Welcome back to the early line right here on Sports Grid. Friday, February 21st, Dane Martinez and Jared Smith holding you down. Jared, I don't know if you caught any of Fantasy Freestyle yesterday. Did you hear me go off on my new hashtag buzz (laughs) out campaign?
0: Yeah, I heard a little bit of it during during the break here. You know, it's funny because when you look at a guy like Altuve, you know, the the court of public opinion, which is the, the word I keep going back to, is just so unfavorable against this team right now. And, you know, we talked to Bill Ripken yesterday who truly believes and and, and I'm with him that this is not just an open and shut case. This is going to be a lingering psychological drain on this team throughout the course of the season because and and the reason why I say that is, you know, usually athletes are really good at blocking stuff out. But Mm -hmm. when you every single ballpark that they go into every city, visiting media is going to have their crack. And they're going to get so fed up and they're going to get so tired of having these questions. They're going to start kicking media out of the locker rooms. They're going to make it very hard to give access to this team. And it's going to turn them into the actual villains, like the Penguin, like where you just like, he was like this isolated character that just stood in the corner and just terrorized the entire town of Gotham. Like that is going to be the Astros this year. And I don't know how they're going to mentally handle that. When you go from the beloved team to the villains – that is a big psychological reach, and and I think there's going to be some players that are going to struggle with it. There's going to be some players that will thrive off of it, because some players do like that type use of it to use fuel. Yeah, right. Exactly. But it, we're going to find out very early on, that first month of the season, if it's going to have an effect on their play. To me, that's the most important thing here. How are they going to respond? Because they're still one of the most talented teams in baseball. So at their peak, they should still be a playoff team, if not a World Series contender. But I just don't know what the long term effect is gonna be.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's gonna wear on them as well. And I personally like Oakland and the Angels to potentially take advantage. But Jared, what I'm doing is I'm gonna try to find a captain in every major league city they go to. (laughs) Okay. On a Facebook group. You can go on Amazon and get packs of, like, 10 of those little gag buzzers (laughs) for, like, 10 bucks, okay? So I'm going to get a captain in each city, and all they're going to do is hand them out to fans as they're goodness! And the instruction for anybody in the sound of my voice, the instruction in hashtag Buzz is his first at bat when he's walking from the on-deck circle to the batter's box, release them joints, and (laughs) throw them at him. Can you imagine, Jared, if— City he goes to in his first at bat, like dozens of buzzers just rain upon him. Every city,
0: and then I'm not gonna have liability because I'm just handing out. You're, the yeah, buzzers. you're just the you're just the brainchild. Yeah, I'm, not
2: them. I'm yeah. just trusting in fandom that something amazing will happen. Like you said, right? They're gonna turn into the villains every city they go. Imagine if they have to deal with that. Imagine when road, uh, when road uh, guys that do like the music when the walk up
0: songs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah
2: song is like I saw the sign.
0: <laughs> it's sort of I actually like that song a lot. I'm a big Ace of bass guy. <laughs> you know what the funny people. thing is though, Dane, is you know you kind of look at this team, and you know when you look at baseball as a whole, it's a very chummy sport because yes. the guys don't, you know, the players on opposite teams, other than the they pitchers. The yeah, even. they're kind of yeah they're kind of on, on opposite fields. You know, you don't really face them head to head like football. The offense and the defense is like a collision. You know, Jose Altuve and Aaron Judge are friends. You know, like, they don't, like, face off against each other. So, pregame, they're very chummy, usually. They're in the outfield. They're warming up. They're dabbing it up. They're high-fiving, blah, blah, blah. What's it going to be like every game now for the Astros? Is that going to go away? And to me, that means it's going to be like a playoff feel with every single game for them. Where the stakes are just so high because you just don't know what the attitudes of both teams are going to be. You know the team. You know the Yankees are pissed off. I don't know. I haven't watched or listened to the clips of every other team. But I've heard Mike Trout. I've heard a lot of other guys very upset. And, you know, this is going to change the dynamic of when you go to an Astros game on the road. Say you're an Angels fan or uh, an, an, an Athletics fan. You go to one of those road games it's just going to change the dynamic of how these teams interact pregame. I'm very curious to see sure. what those pregame conversations are between these players now. Yeah,
2: absolutely. All I'm saying is uh, we got it. There it is. I said, uh, even the Astros it's actually a catchy a catchy tune. It, it is. They're going to play. They're going to hear it so much. Um, I'll say this, Jared. Good they one open the season in Oakland. Let's just say I already have a branch of hashtag Buzz Altuve ready to go.
0: And, and Oakland's one play. of those weird places that plays a lot of weird music. Like yeah, like when and actually it used to be Josh Reddick. they used to play Careless Whisper. Uh and now ironically enough Reddick is on uh, the uh, Astros now, but you know it's <laughs> it's it's just funny to kind of see the the evolution of this because I thought I think the Astros are so like they were so insincere with the apologies. I know. And and now they're like basically like, "Oh, well forget about it." Like they're like they're trying they to want to downplay on, it, but it's not. Accurate. Yeah, you, you know, you don't get you don't get to to, to be the judge, jury and executioner of when yeah. we move on from this. This yeah. is a story the whole year. This is not going to end ever like this season. Forget it. Like this is going to mm-hmm. be a story all season long. And if they don't make the playoffs, everyone's going to say, oh, see what happens That's when why. you don't have yeah. your help, when you don't have your crutch. That's right. That's
2: right. And we'll see. You know, I mean, you're right. It's not going away. Mike Bolsinger, the former Blue Jay, is suing them. So we'll keep an <laughs> eye out on that. It's crazy. And honestly, if he wins, other players are going to follow suit All right, Yeah. Jim Crane to the lawsuit But I digress, you're right, we will Be talking about that for the next six Months, so let's get back into the action and the Association, Jared, last night Out West, you know, one of the Teams we were talking about a little bit Yesterday were the Houston Rockets yep. Right, because they have decided to Shove all in on their style Of play, and you know, all fair, we were Talking about it, it's like in college football playing Against one of the service academies, against the Wishbone, right, like, you're just not, you're the Triple option, you're just not used to it, it's It's harder to prepare for. You know, it's not what you're used to seeing. And listen, the Houston Rockets put up 135 points last night, Jared. I remember asking you, like, the most important question in the NBA will be, like, what is the three-point shooting percentage of the Houston Rockets? Pretty good tonight basis well last night it was 51 percent as they hit 25 of 49 threes and honestly jared they spread it around right Harden 29 westbrook 21 covington who's like playing the middle for them 20 and then i see like five different players with five boards yeah four rockets so in essence when they're deciding that this is the way they want to play this is like exhibit a of how it can work well right jared i'll preface it with
0: this So you get this team, and it is the Warriors, so I don't want to read too much into this particular performance. Also, the first game, and this is why the first game post-All-Star break is so hard to handicap, because you just don't know who's in a hot streak shooting, how are they going to come out. Clearly, Houston had no issues uh, with the long layoff, and it was a very long layoff. Houston hasn't played in, in eight days. That was the eighth day last night that they hadn't played a game, and they had no rust at all. The Rockets are a matchup problem for teams now. Yeah. Robert Covington coming basically out of nowhere in this trade that they made with Capella. He's the big piece coming back for Houston. And what he's done now is he's given them a six foot seven matchup nightmare. Covington, five of ten from three, five rebounds, four blocks. He's their big man, Dane. He yeah. is their big man. PJ Tucker will mix it up a little bit in the middle. But PJ Tucker, actually, who went five for five from three point last night, isn't the stretch player that Covington can be because he's yep. a little bit longer. And again, what you've done now, Tucker, Covington, House, Harden, Westbrook, all five of those guys are going to be asked to guard all five positions on the floor. And when they face the Lakers with Davis, when they face the Nuggets with Jokic, yep. they're going to struggle to rebound inside. Same thing with the Jazz and Gobert. You mentioned you like the Gobert prop when they face the Jazz. Yeah, Yeah. and and that's a good place to kind of find a little bit of value. But what I'll say is what the Rockets are starting to do, and I believe, yeah, so it it was basically an even rebounding matchup last night. The Warriors had 41 rebounds and the Rockets had 36.
2: 36, yeah. If
0: they can make threes consistently and not get totally dominated on the glass, plus 10, plus 20, then they can make a major, major dent in what we think is the average matchup kind of situation for these NBA teams where you're going in thinking you're going to get a break. You're not going to have to go out and guard the big man at the top of the key. Well, guess what? If Covington catches it at the top of the key, your center better you get, out get out there, there. really quick get or else there, right. it's going right down the middle. So they've created an interesting little dynamic here where the Western Conference is filled with bigs. And now they have a little bit of versatility in these matchups. I'm very fascinated. You know, Houston's always been that team that's been a step away. Maybe this is that last little push, that last little catalyst to get them over the top and to get them in an NBA Finals. I doubt it, but who knows? It's certainly better than what we've seen in years past where they've just been so stale on the defensive end that anyone can slice and dice them. It's almost like, Jared, you know,
2: they've – kind of like you said, they maxed out how far they could go with their current roster, with their old roster and their old approach. And they saw that the only way to kind of take that next step was, in essence, to double down on yeah. it, right, Jared? To be to different be- – And to be like listen this is who we're Going to be we're going to live or Die by this they shoot 51% from three Jared If they can do that four out of seven games Against anybody they are going To win and advance but here's My question and you mentioned it before next time The Rockets are out they are in Utah Okay and so right now Golden State last night you know They don't really pose a huge Threat in the middle on Saturday they're going to be in Utah Against Rudy Gobert how does that change? How does that change? See, how does that change the narrative? How does that change the approach? I told you I'm going to be very interested to see Gobert's points plus rebounds uh, prop. And if it's anything below like, you know, 32, yeah. I'm going to take it. You know what I mean? So how does that change the dynamic? Because most of these
0: teams out West do have that kind of big man. We reeled off the names. You know, it's funny because the I remember last Saturday uh, or it was two Saturdays ago, the Rockets played the Jazz And I was thinking the same thing, and the Gobert prop did not hit. It was under. And it could have just been an off night, and it could hit this time around. But I do think the gang mentality is where Houston's going to have to thrive. Westbrook and Harden had 10 assists each last night. If those guys become distributors now and set up these big men three-point shooters, it would be interesting. Could they be playing the beautiful game? All
2: right, when we come back on the side you find out why the conglomerate doesn't always work on sports.
1: <laughs> DailyRoto.com
0: Where did you find this, Bavonia? You never saw Doug?
1: Oh, that's right. It was Doug. But therein lies my point,
0: Jared. This right? is, that's great. That's great, okay. Dane. Absolutely.
2: Our guy, Chris Bavonia, is having fun with this, right? In the pit of misery, oh being like, oh, god to be witty, be creative, and mess with them. I've never I'm heard that you,
0: song before. Oh me. man, my hair's
2: thousands off. Thousands and thousands of fans, whether it's buzzer related, whether That's it's awesome, <laughs> whether it's garbage can related, they are going to endure this for the next six months, and therein <laughs> lies the point. Keep them going. Oh Vavonna. man,
0: I never it's thought Doug funny. would be a would be a a metaphor for our sports culture society today. Can-
1: that cult with banging on the trash can. I mean, you dunk- can't make it up. I mean, you can't you can't make up the, the
0: parallels there, right? Wait, you like know, what we
1: should also bring back for the Astros. Remember in 2010 World Cup, the the Vuvuzelas, the Vuvuzelas. Yeah.
2: Uh... Astros oh under four and a half wins may be the play. But, Jared, listen, we were on the same page yesterday, brother, right? We were talking about futures bets left and right that we liked. You know, we were really kind of we were simpatico, and I gave out that I like the Memphis Grizzlies last night. You even then on social media, I saw last night through a couple shekels just for you know just for the sake of the conglomerate. Ultimately, it did not happen. So I'm sorry you lit your money on fire, Jared. But they went into Sacramento and go down 129 to 125. We also both spent the better part of an hour yesterday slurping John ja Morant, and quite frankly, he did. <laughs> Have a good game. 19 points, sure. Minus 25 plus five turnovers. Turnovers. That's the thing. Only five two points. assists. Exactly the point. Meanwhile, on the other side, guys like Harrison Barnes and DeAndre Fox go off. They combine for 58 points. They also combine to go 11 for 17 from behind the arc. Uh,
0: was John ja Morant listening yeah. yesterday? Morning? <laughs> What's going on here? Well, I'll, I'll say this. And You know, this is a young Grizzlies team, and when you go on the road after a long break, it doesn't surprise me that they came out a little flat. I'll say this. We got a very interesting performance from another young gun last night on this team that I'm going to keep my eye on down the stretch, and that's Tyus Jones. And you remember Tyus Jones from his Duke days, very good point guard. He actually had the best game of any guard on this team last night. Coming off the bench, he had 16 points, 6 assists uh, in 18 minutes. And... He's a guy, And again, this is a young team. John Morant, Dylan Brooks, that's the core. Jaron Jackson Jr., that's the core going forward. But they're going to need other guys to step up. And this Grizzlies team, I think they're still a year away from being an it team. Sure. But when you get performances like that from Tyus Jones, Brandon Clark's been great as well. When you get these types of performances off the bench and you start to weave these young players into the fabric of what Morant and Brooks and Jackson are starting to develop there in Memphis. You start to build a culture, Dane, that goes past just, oh, we've got this star player, let's let him do his thing. Now they're starting to build this culture of strong, young, athletic players stepping up in big moments. Morant's going to get his. He just had a rough game. I think going forward, this Memphis team is very dangerous. And again, last night's game aside... This is a team that knows how to get to the basket. They know how to, you know, win with a little flash and, and you know, a little bit of, little bit of pizzazz. Now yep. they've got to learn when they're in a tough dogfight like they were last night, Sacramento dropped 70 in the first half on them. They were shooting it all over from three. They've got to figure out how to adjust and defend. Because we know offensively this team's really good, but now they're starting to hit that wall where these young players are playing 50, 60 games. They've never played this long before, and you've got to figure out a way to kind of fight through those dog days of winter. I'm still very high on the Grizzlies. I really like John Moran a lot. Rough opening game to start the second half for this team last night, but we'll still be keeping a very close eye on Memphis uh, over the last two months of the regular season.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. You know, that's why they call it a process in the NBA, right? And teams will, you know, do good in the regular season. Then they'll make the playoffs and get bounced in the first round. Then the next year, you know, they'll go a little bit further. I do believe that the Grizzlies still are kind of ahead of schedule, Jared. You know what I mean? They're a playoff team right now, Dan.
0: You never would have thought that.
2: You would not have thought that. So the arrow continues to point up. But, you know, we put the kibosh on them, unfortunately. (laughs) Jared, the other thing I want to check us on. We were talking about the East yesterday and in the futures market and in essence we were both looking to beat Milwaukee, right? Yep. We even though Milwaukee was like minus one fifty to win the East, we were throwing them out. Are we crazy, Jared? That's what I
1: want to know. Yeah. Because look, the Bucks we go in; they win
2: by twenty. <laughs> I know it's Detroit. I know it's not a big deal, right? But Giannis goes thirty-three and sixteen. But my narrative is that it's the people that are not named Giannis, right? And when I see Middleton go for twenty-eight, four for five from three, when I see Lopez and Bledsoe, you know, all contributing, both Lopez's, right? And I see these guys still be able to shoot. Maybe they can string together four out of seven with these guys, with Giannis and the rest. You know? Are we are we not giving people like Bledsoe, like Middleton, like Wesley Matthews and others, Coddington? Are we not giving them enough credit? Are they the perfect kind of role-playing chemistry guys that the Raptors had last year that are important for championships. We're in this day and age where we always think it takes a big three, right? Or it takes whatever the Batman and Robin. This is Giannis and a whole bunch of role players who
0: know their job and do it. Well, Jared, are we looking past them too quickly? I'll say this. First of all, the Bucks are a really good team. They're, they're a really good team top to bottom. And I don't want to take anything away from My thoughts on how good Milwaukee is at their peak with Giannis playing his game like he did last night, inside and outside, and all of the role players contributing. That being said, when we're talking about the betting markets, I just can't lay juice on a team to win the Eastern Conference in February. There's just too many unknowns. Giannis could walk outside today, trip, and you know, you know, trip on the on, on the on his on his driveway, and then he's out for the right. year. Like, like to me, a futures bet needs to have juice coming back to me, or else there's really no value there. And especially when we're talking about a three or four month stretch between when I make the bet and when it cashes, that intrinsic value of time. There's so many things that can happen. You need to get the most bang for your buck. And right now, the bucks, no pun intended. They're not a good price to make a bet for the futures market. There are other teams that have a better price attached to them that have, in my opinion, a similar chance to beat Milwaukee in a seven game series. Where let's say we get the Celtics at eight to one to win the East right. or seven to one, whatever it was. I think it was seven or eight, somewhere in that range yesterday mm-hmm. when we talked about it. When they face the Bucks in the conference finals, they are not going to be 7 or 8 to 1. It's going to be 2 right. to 1. So the Bucks in that series are going to be minus 150, <laughs> just like they are today. So, right. you know, There'll minus no 200. Change. It's the, the, Those right. odds are not going to change. So when you're telling me, are the Bucks being overlooked by us? Of course they are because they're the best team in the East. But when it comes right. to the betting markets, we have to give out the price that best fits what the team is going to be capable of. And right now, Milwaukee's price is not indicative of something I want to lay for the next three months.
2: No, I think that's a great point, Jared. And remember here, in the sports investing world, it's about the value, right? It's about the number. We don't bet teams. We bet numbers. That's right. We respect Milwaukee. I ain't Absolutely. just, uh, but I'm just not laying minus 150 on it. It makes no sense, right? It's similar. Jay, I remember earlier in the week, we were talking about the Tua, uh, where will Tua land, right? And Miami was like minus 110. We were looking for the options that were plausible yeah. that represented value. And the Chargers right? were we, the one at two and a half to one. And the Chargers, I mentioned the Panthers as yeah. well. I think they that were was Panthers. actually the most interesting one there. And so, and that's the point, right? Like, listen, and that's the novice better. Right, Jared? What the novice better does, they love the overs, they love the favorites. They wind up laying points all the time. And you could go ahead and do that, but the real money is made with these plus numbers, with yep. these dogs. Um, that's the way to really, you know, stack chips over the course of time. It's not about necessarily the outcome, it's about that versus the value in what you think is happening, wherever the gap is between what they're laying as the actual spread or as the actual odds, and then what you think will happen. It's called EV, people expect value. But in any event, we talked about the NBA, we talked about college a lot also as we start heading into conference tournaments, as we start ultimately heading into March. And one of the things we have been talking about, Jared, and I know Joe mentions this as well, is how hard it is, Jared, to go on the road the mm. in- conference and get a victory i'm gonna be looking for these spots the rest of the season jared this idea of when i see a home dog in conference and they're like an above 500 team i'm gonna be laying them uh there's a few examples of them that happened last night first one i want to get into real quick out west the ducks go down at our state by five points it doesn't matter that they got that little number next to their name jared
0: Oregon's a very interesting team. I actually think they have a chance to run the table uh, in in the NCAA tournament because of Peyton Pritchard, and he's about the toughest player you'll see. He got into foul trouble early on last night, and they kind of just couldn't overcome that. They were down 11 early. So I I think Oregon's a lot better than what that scoreline indicated last night because Pritchard only played about two-thirds of the minutes that he normally does. But you're, you're right. Aside from the Big East, Dane, going on the road in conference play, it's a kiss of death. The Big East seems to be the opposite. These teams are tougher on the road for some reason. Well, it is the big curse in the Big Ten, and we'll cover what happened tonight
2: on out of the break. the early line. Get on the grid. Welcome back to the early line here on SportsCreate. Dane Martinez and Jared Smith holding you down as we go into what should be a big time weekend. The NBA back in full swing. Huge college basketball mm. matchups over the weekend. We'll look at some of those in a little bit. But, Jan, you know, XFL in the next hour. and We'll yeah. leave you. League Baseball Division, and I hear they'd be throwing them bows on Saturday night in Vegas as well. One game we got to talk about, you know, Jared, we've talked about the Big Ten, right? And how they may get, what, 10, 11, 12 teams into the Big and one of the things we have seen all season long is that you—it it is very tough to go on the road in this conference and get a W. Ohio State tried last night. They were unsuccessful. They had been starting to put it back together. Remember this. A top 10 team, I believe, towards the beginning of the season kind of defecated the mattress out the gate. We're starting to get rolling, but they go into Ames, Iowa yesterday and go down 85 to 76. Big night out of Iowa from Garza, 24.6 rebounds. Just, Jared, what do you think, Matt, you know, in, these, in this conference where they're beating each other up, is that ultimately a good thing for them as they see others in March Madness?
0: I, I think the Big Ten is top to bottom the best right. conference in the country. I think the Big 12 is better at the top than the Big Ten is. And I think the Big East is the deepest in terms of, the Big East goes six deep, where they can all be Sweet 16 Elite Eight teams. The Big Ten, right. I, I think the Big Ten probably has 10 or 15, you know, 10 to 12 tournament teams, but the bottom of that conference, though, you know, teams 8 through 12 there are not very dangerous because they just have too many holes, and, and you're right, over the course of the long season, uh, that wear and tear kind of takes its toll. The Big East is a bit of a different animal. It's a smaller league. The teams play right. each other a little bit more, so there's a little more tightness at the top because these teams are very, very familiar with each other by the end of the season where they all play each other twice. In the Big Ten, you don't play each other twice. Some teams do, but not everybody. The Big 12, I think, has Kansas and Baylor and then everyone else. Uh, So it's a unique landscape this year. We talked to Ian Eagle yesterday on the morning after, and he said in his 20, 25 years of doing the tournament, he doesn't remember a landscape like this where basically on March 1st, which is, you know, in a few days, We're not going to really have a clear-cut favorite. We're going to have no idea. In fact, I think the clear-cut favorite is the Gonzaga Bulldogs, which is kind of surprising uh, based on what we've seen, and and they put together a second half for the ages last night. They were on the ropes a little bit against the Dons last night. The old Don Corleones were giving the Bulldogs the business in the first half, and then Gonzaga just dropped, I think, a 50-burger or like a 45-spot in the second half and ran away with that one. I I, I do think, and there's your final score, 71-54. Gonzaga gets it Mm -hmm. done. Uh, the easy pick in that Iowa game was the over, and I gave this out on Twitter. I gave this out on the morning after. Iowa's the perfect over team because they love to score and they love to shoot the three and they don't love to defend. Ohio State, they got off to an awful start in that game. If they shot it maybe 5 or 10% better in the opening half, they probably win that game last night because they came together in the second half. They outscored Iowa 41-39 in the second half. The Wesson brothers are really good. Ohio State's a dangerous team. Ohio State's a very dangerous team. Chris Altman's a good coach, and the Big Ten is very deep. I think any one of these teams in the Big Ten, from Michigan State on down to Ohio State, and I put all these teams in the middle, even okay. a Rutgers, even an Iowa, even a Penn State, even an Illinois, I think can make a little bit of noise in the in the NCAA tournament. On the other side of the coin, the Big 12, I think, is the most fascinating league because of what we're going to see on Saturday. There's not another league in the country that has a top five duo like Kansas and Baylor who could both be number one seeds in the NCAA tournament. So it's a unique landscape. The Big 12 is very top heavy. The Big East is very thick, meaning the top six could all make a run. And the Big 10 is just deep. One through 12. They're all kind of interchangeable parts. So it's a fascinating league. I don't think the national champion comes from the Big Ten. I think it comes from the Big 12 or somebody else. And by somebody else, I mean a Dayton, a San Diego Gonzaga, State, right, Gonzaga, right, right. one of those teams. So it, it is a very interesting landscape. The Big Ten, as always, a very tough league. I just don't trust the depth. Team 6 through 12 that are going to be in the tournament, I just don't think they can make deep runs.
2: Yeah, so let me try and put this all together, Jared, because I find it hysterical, right, that in the ACC, they may only get four or five teams. And, you know, the Duke, the Florida State, the Louisville, Louisville is not, you know, something's up with them right now. You know, Florida State and Duke, maybe they can get to an Elite Eight from uh, the East you know but it is going to be very interesting I want to try to put together one of the things you said about Gonzaga who by the way you know had a huge game against San Francisco last night with this concept of going on the road in conference you're talking about Kansas and Baylor on Saturday and that's cool I want to get your thoughts on that but another game on Saturday that's going to be interesting is these Gonzaga Bulldogs going to BYU BYU is the number 23 team in the country they beat Santa Clara last night at home by 10. They're 11-3 in conference, Jared, and they host the Zags on Saturday. My question for you is, which one is the trump card here? Is it that you can't go on the road and win in conference these days? Or that Gonzaga is the elite and a cut above. How do you think this Zags BYU game on Saturday shakes out? Will could they stumble on the road at BYU on Saturday? San Diego State will certainly be watching that game.
0: Yeah, no, and you know this is the biggest game for BYU since back in 2010 or 2011 when that Jimmer Fredette team hosted yeah. Kawhi Leonard in San Diego State. And I I, I hate to say it, but I, I think. I, I think the Cougs are going to go down pretty hard in this game. They just don't, have, they just don't have the defense to keep up okay. with Gonzaga. If Gonzaga's offense is clicking on all cylinders, I don't think there's a defense in the country that can stop them. I, I, I really don't. And, again, this is a Gonzaga team that has shown in the big moments sometimes they shrink a little bit. So that it's is insane. something to keep an eye on. But Killian Tilly and Philip Petrusev. And usually when we think about March, we think about guards. These are bigs that play like guards, and that's scary to me. That's scary to me when you've got these two guys, these big two tall trees that can step out, shoot the three. They've got the Euro game. It's a very Gonzaga-esque team. Think about Logan Morrison's game back in the day. I was just going to say that. That's that's what these guys bring to the table, and they've got two of them. And we all know about Mm -hmm. Killian Tilly. He's the name brand. I'm, I am I, I yearn you to go to YouTube and look up some highlights of Philip Petrusev. This cat can okay. ball. And this is a oh. team that when they get rolling on offense, and we saw it last night, they got a slow start against San Francisco. They were at home, a little sleepy. Then all of a sudden in the second half, it's just like pow. And they absolutely blitzed the Dons right out of their gym in Spokane last night. And I, I'm fascinated to see if they can bring that energy, that intensity, that focus yeah. to the table against a very good, very tested BYU team. But again, if Gonzaga is clicking on all cylinders, it doesn't matter where they play. They're going to they're gonna drop 75-80 on you. And unless your offense can keep up, this is going to be a really tough... I'm telling you, Gonzaga, this, if not this year, then when for Gonzaga? Exactly. This is the year for them. We talked about it yesterday. They have all the pieces in place, and unlike some of these other teams in college basketball that are more defensive-minded, if you were going to ask me the best teams in college basketball, Dayton aside, who has the second-best offense in college hoops, Dayton aside, San Diego State, Kansas, Baylor, those are defensive-minded teams. Gonzaga is the one team that can spread right. you out with six foot seven slash yeah. guard forwards all over the floor and just bombs yep. away. This is a very dangerous team. Mark few has been down this road before. Yeah. They've got the talent, they've got the pedigree. I really think this Gonzaga team, if you were going to ask me all of the favorites right, right now, now in college hoops, yep. I'm taking the Bulldogs to win it all.
2: I'm with you, Jared. And if you look at those people, the our friends at FanDuel, they have the Gonzaga Bulldogs right now as the second choice to win it all at 9-1. Interestingly enough, the first choice is the last game I want to talk about over the weekend. It is the, you know, it's the main event. Okay, number three Kansas and number one Baylor renew their rivalry. Baylor got it done, I believe, at 9 Allen Fieldhouse, yes, right earlier correct. in the season, by twelve. So this is an opportunity for revenge, uh, Jared. You know, you talked about thinking the big, the champion comes out of the Big Twelve. It's going to be one of these two guys. You got to think. How do you see Jayhawks Bears playing out on Saturday?
0: Fascinating stuff. The first thing I need to know is Masio Teague, the very talented. You know, yes, another one of Baylor those. Kid, yeah. yeah, another one of those talented guards for Baylor. They don't have a ton of scoring. He's one of the guys they need. I think it's an injured wrist and he did not play against Oklahoma the other night. They need him back in the lineup.
4: Interesting. Yeah,
0: they need him back in the lineup uh, in in order to kind of complete the circle of that offense. Because Kansas is the best defensive team in the nation, according to Ken Palm. And we talked about this earlier in the week. When we're grading teams in March, Ken Palm is the judge, jury, and executioner in terms of how well you can defend and how efficiently you can score the basketball. And when I look at this Kansas team, number one in scoring defense. They're also a pretty decent offense, too, 11. We talked about the efficiency on both sides. Kansas is one of those teams that gets right. it done on both ends of the floor. Baylor, a great defense, third overall, but 22nd in offense. So just a little, you know, that's still really good, but it's not quite as efficient as this Kansas team. So when you look at this game top to bottom, surprisingly enough, it's going to be basically a pick em. And I think right. the winner of this game is a lock to get a one seed in the NCAA tournament and we're still seeing Kansas at plus money to be a one seed. So if you yes. trust the formula of what we've seen in the Big 12 this year, if this game's a pick'em and it's minus 110 on the money line, why wouldn't, if you like Kansas, why wouldn't you just bet Kansas at plus money to be a one seed? If they win this game on Saturday, they are going to be a one seed in the NCAA tournament, no doubt about it. So What if they won on Saturday, Jared, but then lose to Baylor in like the finals of the Big 12 tournament? That doesn't matter to me. I think both teams would be a one in that case because you know I I I, and this is and again I think the landscape of the college basketball tournament the NCAA tournament is changing but from what I can recall and what we've seen in years past the tournament committee takes into account the regular season a little bit more they judge it a little bit more than say you're losing in the Big Twelve tournament championship game so I think if Kansas wins on Saturday, wins the Big 12 regular season. They're a lock to get a one seed, regardless of what happens in the Big 12 tournament.
2: Yeah, they could be rounding into form after their suspensions with a chip on their shoulder. Rock Chalk Jayhawk. We'll be more our number two on Sports Grid. It's the early line with Dane and Jared. Come on, we're back.